Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, National Spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. All righty, thank you very much for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry, which you can whisper, hopefully, we want the technical issues we had last week with poultry veterinarian Dr. Maurice Pateski when he was on. Uh, it was just really a disaster, and people couldn't even hear me. Uh, they couldn't hear the show intro. Um, they actually couldn't hear him. I had issues, and then it just totally booted me off which board, and I tried to back them. Nonetheless, it was a disaster. So hopefully with today's show, uh, with poultry scientist Dr. Bridge McCray, we are going to have no issues, no technical problems, and you'll be able to hear us loud and clear because I'm hoping everything works out okay. That um, we'll be able to take some of your questions uh, at the end of the um, podcast today, probably in about 45 minutes when, once the main topic is over. For that today, pasteurization of eggs and egg products. Uh, will be to the topic. So make sure you get that pen and pencil ready. Um, we our long-time listeners know to have they have a, a special spiral book uh, where they actually take notes and it's Chicken Whisperer on the outside of the notebook and make notes on every single episode to so have a, a file they can go back to. 
So uh, maybe you can do the same thing. What I'm going to do while we're waiting for um, Dr. McRae to call in uh, to the studio, we're going to go ahead and take our first commercial break. If it's taken care of, we come back. She'll be on. We'll do some post chat. Then we'll get right into our topic today, pasteurization of eggs and egg products with our guest, poultry scientist, Dr. McRae. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this short break. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All-natural, non-toxic, premium-grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Again, our guest today is poultry scientist, Dr. Bridget McRae. We're going to be talking about pasteurization of eggs and egg products. I have an interesting story uh, about this topic, uh, as always. But, um, hey, I wanted to let you know I just played uh, the I Poultry uh, ad, and I wanted to let everybody know because you've been following the Facebook page, uh, the Ideal Poultry Cornish Cross um, or the Cornish Rocks 
that um, they're going to about ready to process. We've been showing you some uh, time lapse photo, if you will, the last six weeks. We're going to be processing them on the 7th with our yard bird chicken plucker. And uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great time. And uh, uh, we may video some of that as well. So um, um, let me maybe she can hear me. Let's see. I hope I'm not having the same technical problems I had last week. I'm going to be very angry with Blog Talk Radio. I may have to drive up to New York and, uh, and give them a little attitude adjustment. Let's see if I can bring her live now and see what happens. Um, uh, Hi. For her, Dr. Bray. You okay? Yes, it, it just ticked me off. <laughs> oh, weird. Okay, um, as long as you can hear and me. And you're you're sounding really issues. kind of staccato, like every every word's getting chopped off at the end. Weird. I'm still having some issues with um, with blog talk. Apparently, we had horrible issues last last week when Dr. Pateski was on, and I got kicked off, and it was absolutely a horrible situation. So, I work on it. Once you start kind of talking about the topic, and uh, I can hear you loud, and I'll do some things on my end. Maybe I'll uh, log back in to the switch to see if that works. Uh, nothing else is uh, bandwidth uh, here. Okay. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I will just go ahead. I'll t- tell you my quick story. Maybe it's clear or not, but I can remember back in 2008, this was 12 years ago and we had started a, uh, backyard poultry meetup group in the Atlanta oh, yeah. area. Way... way better right now. Okay, good. Well, maybe that, maybe we'll be doing good then. <laughs> we'll keep our fingers crossed. Um, we was pregnant and her daughter, uh, Jan had said, okay, all um, of a sudden she, it got really bad. <laughs> no. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to turn it over to you, and um, I will let um, you start with the topic, and I'll see if you so I'll, I'll just turn it over to you okay. and see if I can't fix some problems. Glad here. to help. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Well, many of your, you listeners out there have chickens and have had chickens for years, although. Some of your listeners may be fairly new to keeping chickens and have only really gotten familiar with what's available at the grocery store. And there's usually a little bit of a variety at your average grocery store. You have different colored eggshells, but you also have regular eggs in the shell and liquid egg products. Now, liquid egg products might be something like um, whole eggs in a carton or egg whites in a carton. And they may be pasteurized in the shell, or you might have pasteurized egg products in a carton. So I just wanted to go over briefly the basics of egg pasteurization and what some of the differences are that you can expect in cooking with eggs that are pasteurized versus eggs that are not pasteurized, because there are differences. Um, First of all, you know, pasteurization of egg products was mandatory in 1966, and it's through um, the uh, Egg Products Inspection Act of 1970 that that's the regulation that oversees um, that all egg products have to be rendered free from salmonella by application of pasteurization processes. So that's your your liquid egg products, whether it's something you buy in the store or if you are buying by the 55-gallon drum because you're a bakery or you are a 
hospital or other large institution that goes through bulk quantities of egg ingredients. Um, USDA inspects egg breaker plants because you get liquid egg products and dried egg products from egg breaker plants. So where do those eggs come from? Well, those are usually the B grade or um, maybe the dirty eggs from um, egg grading facilities. So if it's a B grade egg, they can break it open and they can separate the yolk from the white or keep it whole or um, dry either, uh, depending on what the what their customer needs. But um, you know, there's there's a difference between you pasteurizing your eggs at home in the shell and bulk quantities of eggs needing to be pasteurized. Um, so in the 1930s, that's when we started to pasteurize liquid whole eggs and liquid egg yolk. Um, you know, basically when folks got started, the only thing they really had to use that did pasteurization was, of course, our good old trusty dairy pasteurizers. And, you know, those reach about 140 degrees Fahrenheit. And... Um, you know, that worked for a while. Uh, and what I'm going to focus on here, folks, are the rules for the United States, the rules in Europe and other locations. You can look that up on your own. But I'm focusing on the United States here because that's, that's where the majority of Andy's listeners are. Um, are you back with us, Andy? I'm back. I'm not sure what kind of quality I have. I totally eliminated everything and came back. How do I sound now? You sound the same as last time. I'm sorry. Not great oh, now. well. Keep trying. So I'm just going to carry on, on if that's okay. Carry on. Yep, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, you know, now the USDA or the United States Department of Agriculture requires that liquid whole eggs be heated to at least 140 degrees Fahrenheit, and it has to be held at 140 degrees Fahrenheit for no less than 3.5 minutes. Now, that's what they've identified as what is sufficient heat treatment, and that's what works for us. Other countries do other things, um, like I said. Time-temperature combinations are how most people talk about pasteurization. You need to hold your eggs at such and such a temperature for X amount of time. Because not only are you trying to to get the heat to um, clean off the outer part of the shell, but you need that heat to penetrate to the interior, innermost part of that egg. And by letting that heat sit there for three and a half minutes, you are, you, what you're trying to do is get the innermost part of that egg to the temperature that it needs to kill whatever nasty bacteria um, that you're trying to get rid of. Salmonella is definitely one of those bacteria. Andy and I have talked about it on many different times. 
But there are other bacteria that, that can be problematic. One that people are familiar with is E. coli. And, you know, eggs can contain these bacteria from the time that they're laid by the chickens. Or they might be inside the egg already because the chicken carries that bacteria. is a silent carrier. So should you heat treat every single egg that your chicken ever lays? No. Not unless you want to. Well, how are you going to keep yourself safe? Cook your eggs. Don't eat raw cookie dough, brownie dough, whatever kind of dough. Don't eat raw eggs. <laughs> um, that's a good idea. Or, you know, heat treat the eggs if you'd like to, but that's the main form of pasteurization that I'm going to be talking about today. Um, it is easier to pasteurize whole eggs and egg yolks than it is the, to pasteurize egg white. Um, egg white is greatly unstable, unstable in uh, heat. And so you kind of have to, the, the rules are different when you're just working with egg white. Because, um, you know, it, it changes. Um, when we talk about how eggs perform, we're using terms such as functional properties. And there are several functional properties that we use for evaluating um, egg performance, how it coagulates how it foams, um, color. Those are a, a few of several different functional properties that exist. Um, some other functional properties are, uh, you know, how well eggs retard crystallization, like say when you are making divinity. And, um, you know, so there are several functional properties that, you know, eggs are known for color and flavor are certainly some of them. So when you are trying to pasteurize eggs, um, of course, you're trying to get rid of the microbes. Um, your finished egg products are checked. Uh, is that process actually damaging the functional properties? Well, with egg whites, yes. One of the first things that you're going to lose when you pasteurize egg white is its ability to create a foam. When are you using eggs for foaming ability? Well, last time that you made an angel food cake. That's the perfect example. And in food science, which is a real science, guys, in food science, how you measure an egg's performance for egg white is by making angel food cake. You also whip up a foam and maybe you see how fast it, it drips out over the course of 10 minutes, how well it holds its foam or the liquid portion of its foam. Um, or how fast. Uh, so when you lose a little bit of functional property, then that translates to maybe an angel food cake that, as one of the classic tests, um, your angel food cake doesn't rise as well. Um, you begin to lose some performance there. And if you are a bakery, if you are a competitive baker, um, yeah, that can be some disappointment. I believe you can get as much as a 4% decrease um, in volume. So, or maybe it's 5%. I can't remember. 
but it's enough to be measurable, noticeable in the paint. Um, so you have to think about how important that is to you and what it means to you um, if you're running a business. Um, moraine stability, how long it takes to beat to a certain foam height. Um, those are all classic tests. Um, observed foaming, coagulation abilities, the stability of mayonnaise, salad dressings. Um, those are all affected by, you know, or the stiffness of a custard. Those are all affected by um, their coagulating ability. So when you damage the foaming power through heat treatment of a pasteurized egg white, um, you might have to change the pH a little bit to compensate. How do we change the pH of our egg whites? Well, if you've ever added cream of tartar or lemon juice, or maybe you're going the other direction, acetic acid, um, those are all things that you could use to change the pH of your ingredient by whatever it is that you're choosing to bake or cook. The whole egg, um, when it is pasteurized, uh, it doesn't really change quite as much. You will see a change in viscosity or how thick it acts or moves. Um, you know, you might get a little precipitation of liquid, so that means liquid kind of falls out. Um, you know, there's there's really no effect of pasteurization of whole egg on the whole egg's ability to make a, a custard, um, how stiff or firm that custard is. Um, hoping folks are making custard pies. Sponge cakes, that's another example, or layer cakes. Um, if you do pasteurize whole egg, you're going to see a 4% um, less rise in, um, in your, your cake. Um, so if you've got layer cakes, it's an 8% um, decrease in, in rise. Maybe enough for you to notice. Texture can change when you use pasteurized whole eggs in sponge cakes. And texture is part of how we evaluate a food. It's not always something measurable. It may be how it feels in the mouth. It's not necessarily how, how moist it is, but, um, you know, it might be grainier. So those are some of the factors that come into play. So when you freeze whole egg and pasteurize that frozen whole egg, um, it actually looks different. It's a little more gelatinous, um, but a little more water seems to have squeezed out of it. So you'll have a higher watery part portion to that egg. Um, something that, that shouldn't surprise folks if they've ever tried to preserve an abundance of eggs from their flocks. We do recommend that you um, separate yolks from white and put them in individual um, trays of an ice cube tray and freeze them that way. 
and you will, and then you've got them individually portioned out when you need to go ahead and bake something down the road. You can just kind of pull one cube at a time from a, a plastic bag in your freezer. Um, back to whole egg pasteurization. Um, sponge cake quality isn't all that effective. Um, not too terrible of an effect overall for whole eggs. Liquid yolks, when pasteurized, um, you know, there really isn't too much of a change. Um, you get more of a change when you start to add things to your pasteurized products. Now, being a microbiologist, we're trained that certain bacteria, many bacteria, really like protective effect that fats provide to them. It gets a little harder to pasteurize yolks, um, pasteurize something that is in contact with the fat. Um, so that, may, that includes milk and other fatty foods that you or I might be familiar with that do receive pasteurization. Um, so let's let's delve into that just a little bit more. Explain myself more. Um, turning page here. Um, so one of the bacteria that I enjoy the most is Salmonella because I studied it when I was doing my PhD here at Auburn University. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a really significant range that Salmonella enjoys and finds that it's able to resist heat treatment. Um, that's pH 5 and 6. Anywhere from 5 to 6 and salmonella is like, ha you can't get me. Well, doggone. Not only might you have to follow the time and temperature rule when pasteurizing your eggs, um, but if you're if we're talking a liquid egg product, you might have to consider that you have to change the pH before starting your heat treatment so that the salmonella goes, oh, you got me, and it just dies. No, I have not had these serious conversations with bacteria, but this is what I pretend goes on in my mind when I think about the demise of salmonella. Um, so... You know, you can add things like cream of tartar. In the lab, you might add some real serious um, acids like hydrochloric acid or something you have at home is acetic acid. Now, acetic acid is just vinegar, vinegar that you have at home, whether it's white vinegar or apple cider vinegar, it's up to you. Totally up to you. Um... So when it comes to salted and sugared um, yolks, things change up just a little bit. When you look at a yolk, well, we, when you look at the solid portion of an egg, there's liquid portions to an egg and solid portions to the egg. Yolk is about 40 to 45 to 48% solids. White is about 12% solid. Remember, 
when the hen lays that egg, she's pumping a lot of water into that egg white so you can see the separation of the layers when you crack an egg out on your pan. So, you know, that's why you have major differences in your heat treatment resistance. Um, you can get a much more rapid effect, and you have to be a little more careful in overdoing things with your your egg white because it's mostly water. Your yolk, well, it's got more solids. It's got more fats. It wants to protect um, whatever's in there. And salmonella can be protected by the fat portion. Um, so, you know, water activity is part of it. When you go to an egg breaking plant, you can buy um, dehydrated egg products. You've got liquid egg products, but you also might have spray-dried egg yolk, spray-dried egg white, or spray-dried whole egg. Where do these things come into play? Again, if you are creating, um, maybe you are one of the big cake companies, and you are making um, yellow sponge cake and putting it in a box and labeling it and selling it at the grocery store. You might be purchasing some some portion of dehydrated egg, dehydrated egg products. If you've ever gone camping and you've wanted to hike in with dried egg products so that you can at least enjoy some eggs, something familiar for your morning breakfast, but you don't need that to hike in with that extra water weight. You can at times just purchase a small container of whole egg or maybe egg white that's just dry or egg yolk that's just dry. Mix it up, cook it in the pan, add water, and you'll have something that approximates eggs. Not my favorite. I've had it before. It's fun once. Uh, can't say I ever did it again, <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Just it was fun to explore. Um, so <laughs> um, your your protective effect of the egg yolk, the dried egg yolk, um, you know, doesn't really help pasteurization any. Um, the microorganisms themselves, uh, like I said, salmonella is the main one you want to think about. E. coli is one that can work its way in there. There are a few others, but if you're handling your eggs carefully at home, you've got a clean nest box. You clean your nest boxes regularly. Um, you wash your eggs. Then you maybe you don't need to do the pasteurization portion. Um, so think about it. Think about how you're managing your flock how some of this can work in your favor. Um, when you pasteurize whole egg products, which is probably where the majority of your listeners, Andy, are going to, to focus, um, just follow the time temperature rule and you should be okay. Uh, there's really no pieces of equipment that are you know, applicable other than a big pot of water and you know, plunging those, those eggs into ice water when you're all done to stop. The process of pasteurization. Um, some folks may not be familiar with other pasteurizing methods other than the time temperature of heat. 
Um, there have been other experiments to try alternatives, um, such as chemical um, pasteurizing. Um, they're not all super popular. They, there's some detrimental effects to uh, functional properties, off flavors, off odors, so on and so forth. Um, for example, that I thought your your <laughs> listeners might find interesting, high-energy radiation. <laughs> um, it was used experimentally on frozen, um, on dried, and also on liquid egg products. Um, UV light has been used to do in salmonella in liquid egg whites. Um, but, you know, radiation treatment doesn't really do wonders for the marketing aspect. <laughs> and flavor changes did occur. So, yeah, not what we're using today. Um, you know, you, you can try different and new methods of anything with eggs, but you always still got to cook them up and make sure they, they taste and feel right and smell right. Um, so radiation has also been used on um, liquid egg white that's been spray dried. And it's really kind of cool if you ever go to an egg breaker plant. What they do is shoot the liquid product, like let's say egg white, up a huge tower and um, at high velocity. And, you know, as it, as it cools and comes down, it, it um, coats the inside. And you get these tiny little particles of dried egg product, which are then collected. Um, and, of course, the, the equipment is sterilized. Um, High-energy radiation, like gamma rays, has been used in frozen products. Mm, I can't help but think of the Hulk when I hear about gamma rays. But that's just me. Um, other chemicals have been tried. Um, there's even been attempts at gaseous sterilization of egg powders, but there's just not likely that we're ever going to turn to gas sterilants and um, consumer acceptance and, you know, all those issues come into play. Uh, so there you have it. Um, I know that some of your listeners will kind of listen to this and go, Dear heavens, <laughs> but um, you know when it when it comes to your cooking at home, and when you're you know in, including your ingredients in whatever recipe you're working on, whether you're adding sugar to eggs and making cookies or some sort of batter for a baked good, or maybe you are adding salt to egg yolks because you've got. Um, a particular recipe that you're working on, uh, it's really interesting how well bacteria like or don't like um, the addition of certain simple ingredients like salt or sugar. Um, so, example, um, when you add, let's say, salt to an egg yolk, um, you actually increase the ability of um, the yolk to resist 
thermal killing of bacteria. Less so with sugar, but if you add vinegar, then, wow, then that that bacteria kind of goes, ugh, I give up. Um, so some of your listeners may want to um, someday want to can um, hard-cooked eggs or something like that. You know, they'll, they maybe have now a better understanding of some of the food science and functional property characteristics that we're putting into play when we are treating a... Yeah, I hear you. You hear me now. Okay, gotcha. Yes, yes. Okay. And you sound fine. I sound fine now. Okay, we're still having some problems with blog talk and their direct connect. So I I just tried to talk to you for about five minutes off and on, and you didn't hear a thing I said, so I tried something else. No, sir. Now you can hear me so good, because I had a couple (laughs) of questions, and so... uh... (laughs) Oh, go ahead. Ask, Ask away. Okay, sorry to interrupt. So, so obviously, when I was uh, figuring out all these technical issues early on, I didn't hear the the process of you talking about how to do this. I have a general understanding, but my question is is this: is that because um, I know a lot of the thought process of our listeners, and they're thinking, okay, the bloom. And so I'm assuming when you go to heat these eggs up and you drop them in the water or whatever, like like all of the articles. Um, either in Chicken Whisperer Magazine or other articles on um, uh, egg washing, for example, they say one of the worst things you can do is submerge your eggs. Never submerge your eggs. And then they get detailed with the water temperature. If you're washing eggs, it should be like 20 degrees more because if 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 it's colder water, the egg restricts and draws in bacteria. And so it brings – I'm trying to put all this knowledge over the years from learning from you and everybody else about the proper way to wash eggs and and the bloom and how it's good but it's not perfect and all this stuff. And then now processing this um, uh, pasteurization of eggs. And, and, and again, I I missed out on kind of your process on how to do this. I'm I'm curious about the bloom. So let me go stepwise through some temperatures that might make things a little more relevant for you. Okay. So the average body temperature of a chicken – as we go into, say, summer, it's going to get hot. When that egg is laid, it's being laid in, in to a hot summer day from a hot chicken body. Maybe uh-huh. it's about 107 degrees Fahrenheit. If that egg lands in your hand and you run it to the house real quick, you might, you might lose a degree in temperature. Um, but you need to wash why anyone would be doing this, I don't know. But let's theoretically <laughs> say you run it into the house and you wash that egg because it did just pass through the cloaca and there's bacteria uh-huh. in there. Got it. Um, you want to wash that egg in water that's at least 10 degrees warmer than the warmest egg. So if that egg is, let's say, at that point still 107, maybe 106 degrees Fahrenheit, you're washing that egg in water that's 116 to 117 degrees Fahrenheit. Got it. So that's for just preventing osmotic effect, which is when a liquid cools, it contracts and therefore uh-huh. creating a vacuum and sucking any bacteria that's on the surface or in the pores into the interior of the egg. Now. Got it. You've got 140 degrees Fahrenheit, which is pasteurization temperature, and it's only there for, you know, three and a half minutes. Okay. 
Um, then you've got, um, you know, boiling water temperature, which is the temperature that you're going to use if you want to make um, hard-cooked eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you if you are going to pasteurize your own eggs for whatever reason, um, using you know the time temperature method in in a pot of water, you you need to babysit that pot of water and make sure it's at 140 degrees Fahrenheit. And the you know eggs that are in there are in there for three and a half minutes. Now, if you are putting a large quantity of eggs into a 140 degree Fahrenheit container, as soon as you put that large quantity of eggs in there, it's going to cool that water down. So you might have to do this in small batches, um, which is time consuming, which is why you probably are going to want to just buy pasteurized eggs at the grocery store, knowing full well that somebody's done the math for you and those eggs are safe. So, you know, when you purchase those eggs, you just know that their performance will be different than that of your fresh eggs. Um, at home. So there you go. Does that kind of help parse out some of the it differences does, yeah, that, there, Andy? Definitely. The story I was going to share earlier when I was technical issues that the first time I was ever introduced to this or even this process was early on 2008. Uh, we were meeting with our Atlanta backyard poultry meetup group. This is kind of right at the beginning before even the big backyard craze. And we kind of and we had a, a young lady who attended one of our weekly monthly meetings and um, she was pregnant and she either was looking at getting chickens or already had them. And I, I can't remember, but her OBGYN said that while she was pregnant, she really should consider buying from the store pasteurized eggs um, instead of eating the ones in her backyard for, I guess, whatever reasons that doctor felt. But that was the first time ever in my life. Um, this was, she like was said, immunocompromised. Yep. And Women said, hey, who are pregnant are at risk. And so it was. Uh, that was the first time I'd been introduced to that. So ever since then, when I'm in a store, not every time, but I'll look, especially if it's a different or new store, I'm looking, okay, do they even have the pasteurized eggs here? Where are they? And really, how much are they? <laughs> it is, yeah, what kind of price difference uh, there are. So that was the first time I had been introduced uh, to that. And then um, I guess um, we kind of looked into it with cow's milk and goat's milk here on the homestead if instead of drinking it raw pasteurizing it and i'm guess using kind of a um a different i guess process but it was um we looked into pasteurization and temperature for you know milk from cow or goat and that type of thing if we felt like we wanted to do that but the pasteurized eggs thing is, is kind of new to me as well other than learning about it way back when we obviously don't go to that detail with with any of ours we've never done the pasteurized uh, eggs before so i was looking forward to the show to learn a little bit of, uh, more about it being that uh, t- however many years ago we were uh, introduced that was the first time i'd heard of, of such didn't even know they existed to be honest with you back in 2008 uh, i think it was so well, I was looking it's forward. only been in the last few years that they've really been much more readily available at the grocery uh-huh. store um even even things such as ultra pasteurized uh-huh. milk products um and you know it's just that time temperature effect and it yeah it can change the shelf life of course it's going to change uh-huh. the shelf life but uh-huh. it's not the shelf life at room temperature it's the shelf life at refrigeration temperatures 
So I want to do more research. Product. Go ahead. Go yeah? ahead and finish because you may answer my question. A pasteurized egg product um, at 39 degrees Fahrenheit can be much more shelf-stable uh, shelf mm. anywhere from 4 to 24 weeks. They can be... Uh, that- um, you answered my question because we oh. routinely buy. <laughs> there you go. We, we, yeah, we routinely buy organic milk in a half gallon size, and so I, I look at the uh, what seems to be an uh, really an ex, and it's an, a longer expiration date on on that half gallon carton. And so when all this COVID stuff started, you know, and milk was flying off the shelves, I uh, went just regular old whatever. Ingalls brand whole milk. That's all I got. And I looked at the expiration date and I was like, well, this is nothing near the link. Why is the expiration date of our organic milk so much more uh, or, or much longer than just this regular gallon of whole milk I bought at the store? And I've noticed that over the years, never really questioned it. And then I looked at the carton of our organic milk and this may or may not be the reason why, but you had mentioned it. It said ultra pasteurized right and then the other is just not so with that organic milk the half gallon it may be like however many two uh, six weeks two months out and then that that regular old gallon of whole milk is not anywhere close to that expiration date and and me and jen were just within the last month we're trying to look at that okay what's the difference and she says well the only difference i see on the carton is ultra pasteurized versus pasteurized now i did have somebody mention one day about that and and i guess this is probably uh, what is that uh, causation and correlation stuff? But she felt like, and I guess there's no proof, but she said when she drinks the ultra pasteurized stuff, doesn't agree with her too much. She so she doesn't buy that. Um, we were talking about a particular milk. I think it was Horizon or something. She said I can't drink the ultra pasteurized for some reason. It affects my gut differently than than just the uh, regular old pasteurized. So um, or she thought it did. But yeah, so that you answered my question about why that organic milk that's ultra pasteurized right on the label lasts much longer. So maybe that helps some of our listeners to, as well have the same question because we just kind of figured that out in the last month or two with this COVID thing. Or and, if, you're, and, if you're not happy with the performance of some of your baked goods and hmm. you've been buying pasteurized eggs, um, whole eggs aren't as much of a problem, but clearly egg whites, maybe. So that's for you to consider um, especially as who knows what the future will hold but we're heading into fair season and some of you listeners out there are competitive yeah. bakers yeah. if you need that top dog angel food cake do not buy pasteurized <laughs> egg whites <laughs> it might a be a are, smaller flatter I, cake I can hear him right now saying oh no I use duck eggs for all my baking and so uh, there, there's a lot of duck egg fans out there when they when they talk about yeah. baking duck eggs always come up come into the conversation. The first time I was introduced to liquid eggs was in camp, uh, and I think it was must have been in a high school camp where I would even pay attention to that. And uh, eggs in the morning at this this facility, this cafeteria, probably a college cafeteria where we had a, a summer camp, and they are. are cutting open this are now they got fancy they have a little spout on them even though it's a plastic big plastic bag of egg and they just unscrew it like you would a <laughs> half gallon of milk and they pour all this liquid egg out i'm like what in the world instant eggs not powdered but just instant eggs and um, we all know when you go to the hospital and visit somebody and they have those instant eggs in that pouch that they pour out it's just, and then we look at it and we taste it and the texture it's just like okay this <laughs> <laughs> this yep. <is> nothing. 
<laughs> this is nothing like this is this is eggs. And um, do you know, Dr. <laughs> McRae, with all of your experience, like is there obviously the process of that changes the consistency and, and the taste. And of course, it's not a homestead egg. It's, you know, a, a different, you know, commercially produced egg, I guess. But it, I guess they they adding stuff there there's some preservatives in that i mean there's got to be something that i guess pasteurized it all depends on what the customer wants if the customer wants preservatives then you know they they have a list of food safe ones Uh um if the customer wants a tanker truck load of whole (laughs) egg products with salt added then that's what they get that's what they get gotcha (laughs) Totally makes sense. Customer, whatever they want. So, we'll, yeah, we'll, think uh, about the next time you eat, um, you know, craft macaroni and cheese. You know, there's egg in that macaroni. And it probably arrived at that facility by the tanker truck load. <laughs> How about that? That's on my bucket yep. list to go see. Um, I know you and I, when we were at IPPE, when we walked through that production uh, building, it's, it was all it's so cool. Um and uh, I really hope all that equipment that is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy amazing. And um, I, I just I've been t- even this week I told Jen I said I hope all this stuff is over with by 2021 and IPPE. It'll be interesting to see by then what what's going on with a big global event like that and 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 turnout because um, even this you remember you going you and I went this past. Uh, February. Yeah, you and, were uh, worried. Yeah, I remember. I was like, you know, I was looking we, around. We came going, back, we lived, oh. we survived. We did, and I, I, I saw just a very, just a handful of this was, and that was February. So that was it hadn't even come to the states yet, as far as we know. But it was interesting mm-hmm. to see that the um, just a very few people were, were wearing masks, uh, if at all, in that event. We'll see what happens this next year with all of this stuff going on. But um, thanks so much for when I heard this topic, I was like, this is fantastic because I wanted to share my story about being introduced to this for the first time back in 2008 and the the. Um, uh, pregnant lady that attended our meeting and said, hey, they recommended this. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then being educated then and then through the whole process of, of all of this and the questions I've had from ultra pasteurization, which you've answered. So hopefully this show is great for a lot of other other folks that were interested in this um, or would be interested in this in the future. If it comes uh, around, they can say, hey, I can go listen to that, that podcast. So um, there you go. as always. As always, thank you very much for uh, coming on today, and we look forward to having you back on. Let's see what we have. The it uh, looks like the June, May, June, June fourth, possibly. Yeah, the fourth of June would be the first Next Thursday. Um, oh yeah, because this is a, a an odd. Is this the fit? Note one, two, three, four. Yeah, you're normally the you're normally the first and the third um, of Thursday, and then so yeah, I see what you're saying. So yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll uh, get a topic for that, and hopefully I can get through these technical issues. I apologize, folks, for all that. I'm glad. No, I finally... this this time you can hear you loud and clear. You're good to go. Great, thank you so much, and thanks for coming on. And um, we will talk to you soon. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. 
Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardBirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardBirdChickenPluckers.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg's should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Tucker Milling. And I uh, just want to give you out some reminders uh, is that I believe it is going to be, let me open my calendar up here, and I'll be sharing this on our Facebook page. Uh, it looks like a week from today on June 4th, we'll have Dr. McCray back at 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time for our our weekly podcast, um, but that evening at 7 p.m., uh, I'll be doing a Getting Started with Backyard Poultry 101 Zoom uh, workshop, and you'll be able to tune into that, so just follow us over on our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook.com, or if you're in Facebook, search The Chicken Whisper, and just start looking, following along. I'll be posting the link uh, so you can join us. It'll be a great uh, beginner's class. Uh, when I used to teach this on the road for years and years in over 35 states traveling the country doing poultry education, um, it's the same class. It's going to run about an hour and a half to two hours long. Uh, there'll be a chance for you to ask questions. And even if you've had uh, poultry and kept poultry for even up to three years, maybe even five years, uh, you'll probably learn something new in this uh, workshop. And that's going to be a week from today, June 4th at 7 p.m. Look for that Zoom link to start appearing um, over on our Facebook page, maybe even as early as today. Uh, and please join us. It's going to be great, and you'll be able to ask your questions. Also, um, 
we've got actually this coming Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I'll be wake, welcoming in a Zoom uh, Dr. Poultry Veterinarian, Dr. Maurice Pateski. I'm going to try to do that specifically in one particular chicken group on Facebook uh, just to see what turnout is. I'm not going to open that class or really advertise that class uh, nationally. On our social media, I'm really just going to try to advertise in that one uh, chicken um, uh, Facebook group called Chickens, Chickens, Chickens. I think they have about 50,000 uh, members, and I'm just going to see. I'm kind of experimenting. Uh, if we're going to start trying to maybe do this, open it up nationally, share it on our social media, on multi a multitude of Facebook chicken groups, or just concentrated in this one group or different groups. Uh, and we're, we're, I've got enough uh, experts uh, to be on the panel. Uh, to do this every week. We're just going to see what turnout is. If turnout's good and, and, it, and it kind of proves to be something worthwhile to do every week, then I'll reach out to my sponsors and we'll get some sponsors for that as well, which will pay the fees for these poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists uh, to come on and do a Zoom where we can, you can attend via Zoom, you can ask live questions at the, uh, throughout the Zoom, or if we do a topic and at the end, uh, it'd be kind of like the podcast we do and we've been doing for the last uh, 11 years, 12 years, but it'll be via Zoom. So we're going to try and maybe the next three weeks we'll experiment with this uh, and see if it's going to be worth our while uh, doing the Zoom meeting or just continue with the successful uh, uh, podcast like we've been doing for the last 11 years. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other announcements. Oh, always a reminder um, to let folks know about the uh, Chicken Whisperer magazine and how you can subscribe to the digital edition of that magazine absolutely free. If you're not familiar with that, chickenwhisperermagazine.com. When you go to that site, you can look for the subscribe button and you can subscribe to the digital edition for free. You'll receive that four times a year. Um, absolutely free to your email and you can flip through that magazine just as if you were flipping through it sitting in your easy chair if you like a physical magazine uh, we also have a print subscription uh, list and the uh, print magazine is mailed directly to your mailbox uh, same thing um, but uh, I know a lot of people like the physical aspects of a magazine on a rainy Saturday afternoon to sit back and flip through and they can kind of catalog that uh, in a um, uh, Rubbermaid bin or however they keep their magazine. So chickenwhisperermagazine.com. And again, that is absolutely free for you to subscribe to. That's going to wrap up another podcast of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com, on Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.